time to make the audio hot fire in your ear hole. It's the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast with the Ryan Campbell coming back at you. Mixed martial arts, all killer, no filler. And you know what that means. The Hall of Famer across from me through the magic of Skype. It's Sugar Rashad Evans. How is it, my man? What's going on, BC? Fired up as always. We got our boy BW, Brandon Wise, CBS Sports editor, writer, weightlifter, joining the team. Um, Before we get into things that actually really matter here, Rashad, you're a professional fighter, broadcaster, successful man. Would you continue to, I don't know, tell Brandon Wise this is the smartest move to walk into a professional MMA gym Green is the backside of my of my hole, and 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 just basically uh, be sparring with professional fighters like like you. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't advise it, but here's the thing. I mean, B Wise is, is is he's he's taking the steps, the proper steps to get himself on a level. He's uh doing some mitts. He's 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 learning before he gets out there, so he's not totally out there, you know, just swimming in the deep end without no life vest. What he's referring to is that I had sparring on Saturday with the amateurs at uh, Hard Knocks, and one of the guys I sparred with is Steve Mowry. Oh, you know yeah, yeah, tall yeah, Steve, tall on, Steve. On Twitter, he's 6'8", and yeah. that was like the least fun I've ever had because he kicked, <laughs> he started me by kicking me straight in the shin, and I now have two giant bruises on my shin. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to go in there and see like the pro sparring day oh, versus yeah. the amateur sparring day. It's just like... Night and day. Night and day difference. Night this guy, this guy Wise got a lot of balls to walk off the street and walk in there and, st- and be sparring guys like Big Steve or whatever the hell you're talking about there. But I'll give him that respect, all right? Former All-State left tackle there. Hey, we got a great show for you today here on the State of Combat. Looking back at a pretty damn polarizing result at UFC Newark and the rise of chaos, Colby Covington. He's for real, folks. He's a legitimate title contender. We'll break down that and so much more. We'll look at Chris Cyborg's exit, exit out of nowhere from the UFC and look ahead to a title bout below the equator this weekend in South America. UFC fight night. Uruguay is how the people are, the, the hip, hip people are telling me to pronounce that ish right there. But uh, not only do we sling the hot audio here, a reminder, if you like what you hear, if you like what is penetrating in your ear hole with that performance enhancing audio, get ahead of the game Pay it forward, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume fine audio, and give us that five-star review. And if you don't, okay, if you don't, Rashad Evans is going to be looking for you. Earthquake, <laughs> earthquake survivor Rashad Evans going to be knocking on your front door, folks. Dig it. All right. Uh, Rashad, what's going on in your personal life? Are you staying active? I saw you, of course, on the ESPN broadcast on Saturday. We're going to get into all things Colby and Newark in a second, but... I don't know, you, but you effing around in the gym and sparring in your retirement or what? Yeah, yeah, I, I do a little bit of that. Um, just staying in shape, you know, more or less. I just, you know, clean my diet up more than anything. And uh, I gave myself some time outside of the octagon to just kind of let my body rebuild itself after years and years of competition. But now I'm, I'm more, I'm ready to get back into a, uh, a more of a routine when it comes to sparring and training. Yeah, I'm addicted. I can't help it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, Wise, uh, I don't know, let's say... You start doing more things at Hard Knocks, all right? You start finding yourself. You start putting the moves together. You Maybe you wake up one day and go, you know what? I got a chin. I'm 6'8". I'm jacked. I, I got some balls on me. Hey, Rashad, 
Want, I mean, it can happen. You, you want to strap that, it on? That's how it, that's how it happens. That's exactly how it happens. I mean, how many stories in the UFC has we heard about this guy started out training just to get in shape, and next thing you know, now he's knocking people out for a living? It happens just like that. No. He drew like the that. line right there, but hey, I got respect for your craziness. You may be pulling me out of our sparring match if you keep um, sparring with professional MMA fighters. All right, you're down to like 140 days to figure out your life, there, bro. Yeah, please well, figure it out. It's about time. It, look, the fall is my season generally. Okay, the fall is where I, I'm at my prime. I'm running every day. I'm really, you know. Have you run once since you've been home? No, I really haven't done much but travel and eat and, and just sling hot fire audio on this podcast on Morning Combat with Luke Thomas every every Monday on Showtime. You know, tune in if you're there. But uh, that's about it. Hey, let's get into this show. Let's talk MMA. Let's talk Colby Covington. But first, let's pause for a word from our friends and sponsors. Yes, dig it. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. It's BCB Dubs and Sugar Rashad Evans coming at you. It's time to get serious here, folks. Rashad, you had a more or less front row seat from your broadcasting perch on Saturday in Newark. An odd start time there with that 3 p.m. Eastern fight night card. Don't hate that, by the way. Love it. And we saw Colby Covington disarm, shut out, dominate. 37-year-old Robbie Lawler, the former champ, who we thought coming in still had it. We don't really know for sure because Colby Covington was the story on this night. I want to get to the craziness. I want to get to the character. I want to get to the Matt Hughes joke. I want to get to all that. But Rashad, what you saw in that cage over 25 minutes on Saturday, your reaction? Uh, I was really impressed. You know, Colby, um, you know, as crazy as his antics are outside the cage with the things that he says, in a position that he takes on, on life with many issues. Um, outside of that, inside the cage, he is absolutely phenomenal. You know, uh, the pace that he sets and, and the rhythm that he gets these fighters to fight into, you know, it, it's really hard to break. You know, he, he does such a good job of mixing his striking with his takedowns. And then the wash and repeat cycle of doing that over and over again, you know, it's just something that a lot of fighters can't stand up for. You know, you either have to make a choice. Am I going to wrestle him or am I going to strike him? And, you know, a lot of these athletes, they can't go on both levels at the intensity that uh, Colby can. So that's what makes this matchup between Kamaru and Colby so interesting because these guys are, are actually, 
you know, th- their styles are so similar. And it's just a matter of who's going to be the one to, I guess, be the most perfected at perfecting that style. But it, I mean, head and shoulders, to, to, uh, Colby, you know, looked to be, you know, that number one contender. You know, he shut he shut everyone out of the race and said, look, I am the guy and this is why. And uh, what a great fight by him. I mean, you got to give him full respect. And, and it's weird in this day and age. And, and obviously, Colby's playing a character. There's this total in your face right wing troll. And, and we don't know what elements of it are real or what elements of it are meant to piss you off. And if you are pissed off, that means he succeeded, by the way, because he does that pretty damn well and pretty damn calculatedly. But he comes in there for a lot of people hoping that this is the time he loses. This is the exposure. Okay, look great against these certain guys. But this is Robbie Lawler. This is a revitalized killer. This is a guy where, hey, Colby, if he stuffs your takedowns and you got to strike with him, you're going to hell. I mean, this yeah. was the moment I made the comparisons that it felt like certain points in Connor's rise, Connor McGregor, where people were like, all right, finally, we'll see him against a wrestler. He'll get exposed. And at least at featherweight, that never happened. I mean, he went all the way to the top there of knocking out Jose Aldo, of course. So for Colby, this was sort of that moment where it was like, Say what you want about him, but him, the fighter, man, you got to give him full respect because on the podcast last week, you heard Colby's voice. And I asked him that question, Rashad, that everyone was wondering coming in. If Robbie can stop the takedown, will you strike with him? Are you prepared to strike with him? Can you handle that kind of heat? He said the right things, obviously, because he's a cocky fighter. But tell me I'm wrong, guys. Rounds three, four, and five of this fight against Lawler. Yeah, there were takedowns, but it was a striking match, at least more than half the time. And good God, Colby not only out-volumed him, outlanded him. Certainly, I wouldn't say landed the harder shots, but he stood in that pocket, had no fear, and really was never in any kind of trouble. Yeah, and, and that's the smartness in, in Colby's game, the simple fact that he understands how to systematically break down his opponent. He knew that you know, going into the fight, you know, striking with a fresh Robbie was always dangerous. But what he did, he got him to that black line and he made him fight off those wrestling positions. Once Robbie started wrestling, fighting off those wrestling positions and started wrestling, it put those lactic, it put the lactic acid in his muscles. And then when he got off the cage and got back up to his feet, his arms are no use to throw any punches. You know, they're, they're, they get heavy when you're, when you're not used to wrestling at that level and then you have to go back out into the center of the octagon. And strike, you know, it feels like you have weights on your hands. And and that's exactly what it looked like for Robbie because, you know, he was doing a really good job of rolling with some punches, but there was nothing after the roll, you know, and it looked at times as if he would have fired after he would have rolled sometimes, he may have been able to give Colby a little bit of pause instead of Colby just pretty much just doing what he wanted to do. But, you know, I was just kind of waiting for Robbie to, you know, for his rolls and dips to pay off into at least a combination or a punch that would back Colby up to say, okay, this guy can hit a little bit. But it never happened. It reminded me so much of Woodley, Tyron Woodley's performance against Kamaru Usman, where as a fan, and certainly a lot of people, again, watch this fight to see Colby get exposed, you're waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting for Tyron Woodley to get up and do something, let those hands go. It never happened. He got his yeah. gas tank drained. Uh, Brandon, you, you'll take stands on this show. You'll say the thing that the hardcore fan is thinking but some people won't say into the microphone. So let me ask you this, Brando. 
Was Robbie Lawler gassed out in rounds three through five? Was he old overnight? Or was he afraid to pull the trigger more than one punch at a time because he already tasted what was coming back at him? And I don't mean coming back at him a bigger counter shot, but he would leave himself maybe exposed to be taken down even easier and go through that cycle again. Where are you standing at? What he, this man did to the ruthless one. When you look at the volume of punches that he landed and threw in the fight, I should say, when it's over 500 strikes that he's throwing at you, and the only other person that was even close to that was Max Holloway against Brian Ortega earlier this year, or last year, I can't remember now, but that kind of volume will make you think twice. Like, if if the whole time Colby is just sitting there with his jab in front of your face, what are you going to do? Because... Mm -hmm. At any point, if you decide to try and come in with a counter, Colby's going to counter you too. He's got his own weapon. So it's the pawing at him. It's the kicking at him. It's the, oh, by the way, I'm also an all-American wrestler. So if you throw, I might just pick you up and dump you. I, Man, I don't know what happened with Robbie. I think it's just he got overwhelmed by the pressure that Colby brings because it's just at some point we have to credit that. Like he his pressure – and his game plan is second to none. Yeah. And the only thing I was kind of frustrated with Colby watching that fight is he took Robbie's back twice and he had a chance to put in the choke. And it seemed like he was just playing with him and toying with his food almost where he was like, no, I'm going to drag this out for five rounds because I want to prove a point that I can outstrike somebody that everybody said I couldn't stand and strike with. Yeah, Rashad, I mean, what was that moment about? Brandon just identified that where Colby yeah. has his back early because I'm like, is Robbie doing some kind of weird defense that I that I can't think of that would stop Colby from going for the choke right now oh well I mean he he, he I mean that's a position where he was just waiting for the scramble because he felt as if like at that point Colby needed to do the next big move in order to secure that position and he was just waiting and biding his time and waiting for Colby to hit that fast twitch move that he would have had to do it to over to really secure the back and then once uh, Colby hit that fast twitch move it gave Robbie the opportunity to hit his fast switch move at the same exact time. You know, the thing about it is, like, when somebody has your back, if you try to explode and they're in a uh, a calm position, then that your explosion can leave you open to uh, them securing a position even further. But if you wait for them to use an explosive movement and then you go an explosive movement in conjunction with them, then at the same time, both of your movements put you guys both in a scrambling position. And then now it's whoever can find that scrambling position wins the position. But I mean, to your point, I mean, his game is second to none normally, but I will say it's second to one, which is number one, Kamaru Usman, because they have the same exact style. All right. So that, that I want to, that's a perfect segue transition point here. You can compare Colby to Connor in some ways from the fact that people got caught up in the hype of what they said almost more than focusing on their ability. And when someone's a big time talker, it can be if, you, if you're if you're on the, the polarizing end of hating them, you're sort of waiting for them to be exposed. Connor at featherweight won us over one fight after another. But Rashad, he had game changing power, fight ending power. So when he stepped up to the super elite level against Jose Aldo, Good God, he ended the fight in like six seconds, and it was sort of freakish, but it happened. I don't see if I can give you one criticism of Colby Covington. I don't see that. I don't see that. 
that thing that tells me that if something's not going his way, Colby Covington's an incredible front runner. His style's great when he can suck the life out of you and ride you and control you and dominate you. But I don't see something there yet, and I'm sure he's got to prove it first before we'd know it, that that style could help him rally if he's down in a fight. That he has the instincts and ability to finish somebody. So when I start to self-handicap what a Covington-Usman fight would look like, for me as sort of the cash when it comes to the idea of, of when their styles match up, you're the fighter, you can tell me. But it, my eyes tell me Usman's a better version of Covington. Not yeah, just from I'll wrestling see. and gas tank, but from the power. And maybe he doesn't have the finishes, and that's where some people criticize him, and neither does Colby. But I feel like Usman has the better finishing instincts and the bigger power to do just that. I agree. I think I think the power is is the biggest difference. You know, um, with with Colby, you know, he he can uh, put a lot of pressure on you, and then he does pepper you with shots when he gets you on the feet, and they're very clean. You know, great shots that come back, and they're systematic too. You know, they come with a, they come with a rhyme and reason. He's just not throwing punches to throw punches. They come with a, a rhythm to him, and he's trying to get a reaction for you. So, so they're systematic shots. But at the same time, what I noticed from Kobe is there's these moments in the fights, even when he's dominating, where it appears as if like, you know, he gives a break, and that's when his opponent, uh, in the case of RDA you know, was able to come forward with that jab. And, and once he started coming forward with that jab, it became a different fight between, you know, the fourth and fifth in, in some parts of the fifth round, you know. And that's what it looked like Robbie was going to do when he was coming forward, but he forgot one element, which was to pop that jab. You know, I think that the biggest difference is the fact that, you know, um, Colby, he will concede to a jab. He will concede if you start to put the pressure on with one punch. You, he It would take him a while to problem solve that versus Camaro. And I think that, you know, when you look at both of these fighters, uh, how do they adapt to their opponents' um, offense? I think that Camaro makes a better adjustments on the fly in the fight. Brandon, how are you early looking at the same matchup? Because sometimes when elite wrestlers go against each other, the wrestling gets thrown out the window, and then it does become sort of a striking match or a chess match on the feet, and, and, and you don't really know who's going to get the advantage. But do you echo my statement that you fear for Colby's lack of pop against Lawler, that he could be, beat the truly elites with this style? I would say my biggest fear for this fight is that it becomes a Stephen Thompson-Tyron Woodley match where it's a lot of waiting trying to counter and just set up your counter shots instead of just going forward and going for it. Because like we keep saying, they're basically mirror images of each other when it comes to game plan and style. So it's like, are we going to get one of those moments where they're in the ring? 90 seconds have gone by. We're just kind of still circling the octagon, you know? So that would be my only fear in terms of stylistic breakdown. But me personally, I think Kamaru just being the physically bigger person in the weight class, because we got to remember, Colby is a natural welterweight. Like, mm -hmm. he carries the size of an, a welterweight. Like, he walks around at it. You know, he probably walks around 185, maybe. Kamaru's a big dude, man. Like, Kamaru's, what, probably walking around 195, 200, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think the physically imposing nature of Kamaru is going to be overwhelming for Colby in this fight. And especially if it becomes wrestling, because he's just going to be physically stronger than Colby. Yeah. I, I would I would give Kobe this though I, I would say this, um, I think Kobe still has another level to go, and I think he kind of 
kind of showed that when at the end of the fight, if you if you pay attention, he did a phenomenal technique with Robbie, that spin kick, then he did like a punch at the end. Now, that was just kind of for fun. That was kind of like, okay, last little bit, I'm going to do something. But what he showed me there is he showed me that, you know, he has a creative athletic ability that you see with talented strikers like John Jones and Johnny Walker and these guys. So, you know, um, if he added elements of that creative striking that you've seen at the end of the round with Robbie Lawler, then you can see him put that in conjunction with all the other tools. Then we're looking at, you know, a slight variation different than him game, his game and Kamaru's game. You know what I'm saying? So I think there, there's another area where he can grow as well too. So their matchup, and it, it intrigues me on, on so many levels because with that last little bit that Kobe did at the end of the round, I know that he has much more that he can show and that he can do. So it makes preparing for him uh, a little bit more tricky than that, than the, just what meets the eye. You see, I, I posed this to Rashad before we started the show, and I want to pose it to you as well. On paper, matchup-wise, get rid of the trash talk, get rid of the politics, get rid of all that. Like an actual fight in UFC, what's a better matchup to make right now than Colby versus Kamaru? Uh, you're talking about X's and O's. You're talking about about, about yeah. style versus style. I, I mean, I could, I could counter that and tell you why it's a bad style matchup because they both fight the same style. And, and, and the idea of putting those styles together could prove boring. We've seen that before when wrestlers cancel each other out. But sorry for the cough break there. But when you talk about the personalities, that adds a ton of flavor to get me extra excited in that regard. I just I just think here's the thing about it. I think that when it comes down to the nature of this fight and everything that has been going on to it, going into it from an emotional standpoint, I think that this fight would be hard for it to be a snoozer just because just off of emotion alone, you know, these guys are gonna gonna go out there and make something happen that, that the fans are gonna wanna see. So I mean, you know, it I the way I see it is like Wrestling is hard. There's a reason why it's only six minutes long or something. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 hard to do for so long. So with both of these guys being in that nature, being from that school, it will be it it'll be a war of attrition if both of these guys entered into this fight saying we're going to try to out wrestle each other. I think this fight is going to be about who has the better striking, and I think they're going to use a wrestling in reverse, and I think you're going to see more cage. Uh, more cage work than you're going to see actual mat work. You know, a lot of pop shot from the cage, a lot of dirty boxing from those positions. I don't think we're going to see too many takedowns until one of the other guys concede to the other guy's dominance. Rashad, how do you <clears throat> explain from a, to, to a casual fan why Colby and Usman don't finish fighters and whether the reasons for that are, are the same? I mean, is it a lack of instincts? Is it a lack of power? Is it a preference to just wrestle? Like, how would you sort of describe that? Because we look at that sometimes as a negative against fighters, yet we saw GSP sort of evolve into that late in his career where he maybe took less chances on the feet because it was easier for him to jab, 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 takedown. Yeah, I think I think what it, what it comes down to, you know, it's just the style of that grinding wrestling style. The grinding wrestling style is one that, is is harder to finish just because it really it really relies on the simple fact of you just pretty much making your opponent not want to be there anymore. 
you know, if you're, if you if your guy has, uh, some kind of heart, if he, you know, he's, he, he, he has heart and you haven't really heard him, then he's going to be able to hang in there with that grueling style. Uh, so I think that's why you, you see these guys who, with this style, you know, they don't finish guys, but they, they pretty much maul them for the whole entire fight, you know? And I think, um, you know, that's the, that's the, I guess the critique about a grinding MMA wrestling style, just because of the fact you don't have those flashy knockouts. But when you look at the fighter after the fight's over, you, that guy looks like he'd been, you know, been mauled by a bear. You know, you, you look at Robbie's fight after the fight, it looked like he got mauled by somebody. That's the effect of somebody going with a good pressure wrestler fighter. All right. You said this fight would come down to striking. And, and look, if they're going to book this fight and they will, we're going to have plenty of time to break it down. But are we overlooking other aspects in terms of who has a better jujitsu game if needed here? Who Who is a better submission game? Who is more likely? Who has a better top game from the standpoint of going for the ground and pound? Yeah, I, I think I think um, I think those are definitely going to, to come into play because when when you have, you know, two good wrestlers, it's always about, you know, who has the 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 extra to be able to dominate but i think a big part with wrestling is the ability to control on top you know once you get a guy down and you're working hard to get a guy down if you can't hold him down then your wrestling starts working against you because now you're spending more time or more energy trying to hold him down and you just spend a ton of energy trying to get him down and then he gets back up to his feet really fast and now you have to deal with is striking on top of that. So now you're you're in, you're in an energy deficit, and that's all the fight is is about who is doing the most work and who's making the. It's all about you know work to rest ratio. I'm trying to seemingly rest a little bit more while I'm making my opponent work his butt off, and that's what Kobe done such a good job of. He'll get Robbie to the cage and put him down, and just have Robbie stand up, and then put him back down, and have Robbie stand up, and then after a while, you know he's not really putting too much pressure on. But Robbie using all his energy is trying to get up. And then he goes back to the center of the cage, and then he's useless. Interesting stuff there, man. This is getting me fired up, and, and we, we just did a great job kind of breaking down the X's and O's. But the real heat on here is the heat between them. It's Colby's ability to talk and our ability to react as sort of fans and critics to that and the attention that's going to be placed on this matchup. Rashad, you were there up in the ESPN uh, broadcasting perch above that arena, the post-fight show that aired on ESPN+. Kamaru Usman, your buddy, was also your colleague as an analyst there, and Colby Covington was ushered up onto set. And in some weird ways, it looked like you were going to have to become Dave Schaller stepping in between DC and John Jones a few years ago because I tuned in expecting possible fisticuffs. UFC likely did as well as there was a, a staffed security team on camera right there ready to tell us the vibe. Tell us how much of that was real. How close did you think it was going to come? That was fun stuff. It, it, it was. It's all real. You know, um, when we knew that we we're going to have Kobe on, you know, uh, we were talking to Kamaru and, you know, Kamaru was trying to be he was being professional about it. But at the end of the day, you know, so much emotions tied to it. So he's doing his best. And then uh, once he comes up there, uh, it, it was you just felt the tension right away. You just felt the tension right away. And I actually thought there was probably going to be some kind of push or some kind of some kind of uh, misunderstanding where where a camera had to be you know, stopped or something like that, just because um, these guys don't like each other. It, it's on site. You know, it, it's on site 
whenever these guys get around each other or they're even known to be in the same presence, uh, it, it's it's bad. It's bad news. So the fact that they were able even to be on set with each other and not actually throw a punch or stuff like that, that was a, that was a win right there. That that was a win. Kamara's <laughs> jacket was coming off at one point. It it, it 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 really it really was, man. And then you know it didn't even stop there. You know it's like uh you know even after that's over, you know they have to make sure he's not there where Kamara was that you know where Kamara was going to be, and you know even at the hotel and stuff like that. You know, uh, Kobe has his own you know personal security, and you know they they had to make sure that okay uh you know uh Kamara, you guys are not around. So it it, it was it was uh. It was it was a process to be honest, just because of the fact that these guys would fight if they if they see each other. Wow, wow, Brandon, I want to hear your side of this now because I don't want to put the words in your mouth, but you and I offline sort of reacted to it. Maybe that's the degenerate in me. Maybe that's the uh, gas dog, the gas station hot dog side of me. But when I see this, I pop, man. This is like turning the corner in the hallway in high school, and two guys are jawing. And you drop your own book bag to come running and check it out. You kind of reacted, though, that this was a uh, heck of an ish show, if you will. Give me your side of it. I mean, I just thought it was incredibly lame, to be honest with you. Like, I understand the heat, Rashad. I understand there's legitimate bad blood between these guys. But there's four security guards standing behind each of them. Nothing was going to happen. And then all the talk is this. This was my favorite thing that I sent to BC. I was like, because uh, Colby keeps going, you turn down a fight with me. And and Kamaru keeps going, when? Mm-hmm. And he just keeps saying, every time, when? Mm-hmm. Every time. And it's like, okay, this is great. Great, guys. We're, we're getting so much accomplished with this this back and forth. So to me, it was just like, okay. This is, this yeah, was, but they, it was it was great television. They but, had they had they had this they had to get face to face because they hadn't yes, been face to face all week. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So and and even and even with breaking down uh, Kobe's skill, when we had to break down and analyze Kobe's skill, you know, Kamara was being fair about it. You know, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't like he wasn't hating on him or anything like mm-hmm. that. So uh, I felt it was kind of building up because he was hearing <laughs> all the things that Kobe was saying about him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But um, here, here's the thing. Is the beef like? Did they need to get up there and 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 do it like that? Maybe I don't know. At, at the end of the day, the reality is people want to see. They want to see like, all right, this guy, this like this guy. He like, let's see what happens when they get into each other's face. And I also thought, by the way, that you and Karen Bryant did a great job of like trying to play mediator in that situation because <laughs> if if it wasn't for you guys like they would have just sat there talking for the next 10 minutes just saying when every time when every time it was it, it got really hard to uh to jump in to jump in there because they were talking over each other so much <laughs> and at the end of the day it's just like we all can't talk at the same time and even even to get out okay what makes your style different i mean because their styles are so similar right yeah but uh it, it, it was it was um I honestly thought when Kamaru took his jacket off right before it ended, I thought it was gonna go down. I mean, to be fair, it was a big desk. Like, there's not, there was a little bit of room there for <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. to jump in. Like, right, they're, yeah. they're not as close as we are in this room, about four feet away from each other. Nah, they, yeah, they, they had a bit of room. They had a bit of room, but it, it was, it was exciting though. I was, I was uh, 
they're just trying to um you were trying not to laugh yeah. we saw some screen caps of you just with a giant smile on your face yeah it was funny yeah, man he had an ish eating grin on him now no look we know you're Kamaru's boy but i do want to sort of sort out some of their trash talk there and b-dubs feel free to jump in here um colby saying hey Kamaru, you're faking injuries just like woodley you were in the wheelchair and then the next day suddenly you're leaping over barriers and trying to jump me in the MGM food buffet line, and we saw that video that went out. And then Colby telling us on the show last week, I backed off and didn't fight him because I'm a businessman and I want to do that in the cage. How do we sort of judge that from fighter etiquette? I mean, if somebody steps to you in public, is it your job to fight them there? I mean, as as a fighter, I I think that... uh... You know, if you're a real fighter, I think you just go with that fighter instinct and you just do what needs to be done and you handle it accordingly. I think when you're you're thinking about it too much, that means you're you're probably a little bit afraid. And and I think that that's probably what Kobe was. He probably and, and here's a reality situation. He got caught off guard. He got caught off guard, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, he he was he he was outnumbered. So he was he got caught off guard, and, and the truth of the matter was, he was a little bit scared. But that's, I mean, that's 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 the truth. He he was a little bit scared then. Um, Kamaro, he did. He his foot his foot was injured. He did have injury on his feet, his foot. Uh, but I mean, it, here. It's the same thing with John Jones. Like yeah, John it, Jones was carried out of the ring at two thirty nine, but I'm pretty sure he was walking fine the next day. Yeah, you you <laughs> you you. It what happens is your your foot hurts and you you got a bone bruise, deep bone bruise, yeah. and then you know you limp on it for a little bit. You take some medication or whatever case, and you heal from it. But I mean, it doesn't make it like you can't do anything. You right. Know? Something no. we haven't noted, by the way, from this fight with Robbie Lawler is that Colby hid a cut under his eye he had a a headbutt in training camp that busted him open and he sent a couple of pictures to ariel hawani where he's just got blood dripping down his face after it happened like three weeks before this this fight and he covered it up with makeup so that the ufc or the commission didn't see it before the fight because he they were he was gonna have to pull out of the fight if if not and i'm pretty sure that it's partly because he knows that if he beats Robbie Lawler, he's going to get that title shot. And if he pulls out, it's probably another six months to a year. Yeah, he's showing you toughness right there. Uh, he's showing you. That's, that's the thing. He, he, he has toughness. Yeah. He has toughness. Like, he, like, listen, I don't care what he says. Like, I mean, people, he says some crazy things. It's part of, it's part of his stick. But you got to respect the fighter that he is. You got to respect the fighter. He's a fighter and he's tough. He's tough, man. And, and look, it shows you the toughness. It also shows you sort of the company man role that certain people have played to get to the top. And it's sort of like, I'm not pulling out. I'm going to fight no matter what. I'm going to fight people on late, late notice. I'm going to fight through injuries. And when you do that and win, Rashad, you've seen it a few times. Guys get rockets strapped to the top. And he certainly has the charisma to get there. Now he's got the ability to match it with these big wins. Now, I may have just shared my fears on, like, the idea – of can he beat a Kamaru? Does he have enough power to beat a true elite, especially if he goes down in a fight? But that doesn't stop me from taking this stance that I believe in. Colby's great for this sport, and he's great for this sport 
as an agitator. The same reason why people are going to tune in to see him lose. We need those people in this game. This is entertainment. Let's stop ever acting like it's not. You need the Floyd Mayweathers. You need the Colby Covingtons, the Chael Sonnens, the Conor McGregors. So I know people are up in arms because of the distasteful Matthews joke. And it was. Oh, that was bad. You know, here's, bad. here's here was a hurtful part about the Matt Hughes joke, and I just cringed because Matt Hughes, right before the fight, he put on his IG like how he was torn and 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 he was didn't know if he should, you know, root for Robbie or root for uh, root for Kobe. And then afterwards, Kobe says that, and I was just like, ooh. And that's response, by the way, was respectful too. He didn't, you know, jump angry. He's like, it's a fight game. This is what happens. People talk, but. I think that's great. I laughed at that comment. It was bad, but it was bad in the same way that, like, he's doing a comedic routine to try to get you to laugh at dark humor and hate him or support him, depending on where you are. Guys, he's wonderful for this sport. There is a line where things can go too far. Connor and Habib stepped really close, if not over, to that line a few times, both on social media, certainly in the cage afterwards at 229. If... Colby but, can stay behind that line. He's so valuable to the UFC as a marketer. But how about this? Let's be honest about our boy Kamaru. Marty, as as Askren would call him. Your boy, Rashad, as you would call him. Great fighter. Doesn't seem to have that next level marketing side to him yet. It could be developed over time through success, through being a good dude, all that. But right now... A lot of regular people don't know who Kamaru Usman is. They will when he's playing babyface B-side to Colby's out-of-controlness. This is a gift to UFC in the same way maybe that Chael Sonnen was to Anderson Silva, and I mean that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just I just hope that this whole, um, this whole approach, this whole right-wing conservative uh, troll um, doesn't take – the same tone as, as everything else in the rest of the country, you know, take that racial tone and everything else that, that has gone along with that whole, that whole right wing movement and everything, you know, um, I, I just feel as if like it could, it very well could, you know what I'm saying? Just because of his, his views and stuff like that. And just because of the, the, uh, I guess just where the, the, the country is at this point, you know? So, um, I I like the shtick to an extent, but I, I also know that it could get to the point where it makes everybody feel really uncomfortable really soon because it brings up some issues that America is really not ready to talk about. That's fair. That's real. <laughs> That's the truth. Brandon, where, I, where's, where's, what's, the, what's the major danger here? You got any fears about Colby Covington... Because something's great to a point. There's a line. There's a line in everything. I say it again that Habib Connor in 229, it was extinguished quickly. The, the brawl afterwards was ex- extinguished quickly. If it wasn't and that spilled into the crowd, that would have been such a negative to the sport. It would have been a monstrous setback. They survived that bullet. Can Colby bring things down by going too far here? Yeah, pretty quickly, I would say. When you're talking about the Chael Sonnens, the Conor McGregor's, the Floyd Mayweather's being good for sports, the difference is it felt like people actually cared. Me personally, 
I'm not seeing where a ton of people are saying, oh, I'm so excited to hope – I hope Colby Covington gets his ass beat this weekend, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know if everybody just tuned him out at this point because it just doesn't feel like there's a huge buzz every time he fights where it's like, all right, I need to tune in to see if he's going to lose this time or not. I need to see how he's going to look in the ring. I, the, he might cross the line to get to that point where people need to tune into him, which is when it's going to get scary. Especially yeah. if it's against somebody like Kamaru, when he's gonna, he might tow that racial line or just. Jump well, I mean, over let, let's 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 just call it what it is. Kamaru is black, and and we have Colby who's white, and he's on the the the, the conservative right wing side, and you know, there's a lot of people who associate that right wing side with racism, and mm-hmm. and you know, just a lot of bad things that's happening in this country right now, you know, so. There is, it could, it could, you know, go that way with some of the trash talking. And I think that would be unfortunate. And I think that's, that's something that this whole thing has to be careful of because when, you know, you know, this whole Kobe's, he's in, he's injecting politics into this. And our country right now, we're at a political fever right now. It's politics are, are very divisive you know, in this country, if not dangerous. I mean, like yeah. this is like of any time I've been alive, this is the time where you you almost most certainly uh, don't no. enter into debates unless you're ready for something legitimate to happen to break down. You know what I mean? To be fair, though, we do need to give Colby some credit in that he has not gone to that place for these this trash talk that he's done in the last year and a half or so. He's kind of stuck to this weird character that he's had. But he's not gone. Right. And it hits so- at it when when you do certain things. But yeah, like we're labeling him as this. I think too too quickly we do label his shtick as hateful when in reality he's just showing up at the White House and showing up with the Trumps at cage side. But but, but it's 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 been the Donald Trump thing that people have been saying. You know the the Donald Trump in you know his comments, his comments that have been you know. Uh, braces to say the least you know what i'm saying some of his comments have have been you know taken very badly so when when you go on and you start speaking on donald trump and stuff like that people like oh you must be a racist too you know because that's how people see trump so that's where that whole political affiliation start talking about politics can really you know get things pretty nasty Indeed, indeed. Hopefully Dana will get in the ear of Colby and they'll figure out the right sort of tone or the right sort of line. And then from there, look, this is going to be a fun build to a fight in a fun division. Really looking forward to this. Colby really has an opportunity to be a crossover star. I mean, he did just have his best performance on ESPN. So you can't really hate too much on that. Uh, Quickly throughout the rest of this card. What else hit you? What else hit you hard? I mean... Jim Miller and Clay Guida set a record for the most combined fights as they entered the cage in this, you know, one that was supposed to be a brawl for fans only. Two blue-collar legends, if that's a thing. It was quick. Jim Miller showed he might still have a few, a few drops left in the tank there to pour out with the 58-second guillotine choke. I didn't necessarily like, though, ESPN's setup to this, which was showing... Video features, and Brandon, you agreed with me. We were on the same page here. Both of them talking about how, you know, I'm just finding new life here at 37, 38. I want to be fighting for another 5, 10 years. Hey, UFC 300, it's right around the corner. 
I mean, let's be honest. This was a loser leaves town match. Whoever loses was probably getting getting cut or told to told to walk away. You really think so, huh? I yeah. don't know. Here's the thing. I, I think that this fight had a very nostalgic uh, appeal to it, and I think that's why I got on a co-main event. Um, but you know, Jim Miller looked really good, and when you have been battling against your own body for so long. And then now you finally feel healthy, like Jim Miller is. Now that he's he's got his battle with Lyme disease under control, and he's able to go out there and compete the way that his body is uh, allowing him to, then I think I think you can you know make a claim that it might be his second run because you don't we don't know how good he could have been if if he was feeling you know this good in his prime, you know. So it it could it could be that it could very well be that. Well, it's just like entering this fight when we're talking about Clay Guida. We're basically like, okay, just beat BJ Penn, but you can only put so much stock in that because of who BJ Penn is now. I'm almost saying the same thing for Jim Miller. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good win, and he did it quickly. And yes, he did show you that he's better right. than his age would guess. But I don't put a ton of stock in this one. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, you know, there's a difference between you know these guys. Uh, Clay and, and Jim that were competing and the rest of the guys in the weight class, you know, the upper echelon of those guys. And there's a lot that has to be done uh, in, in the terms of uh, with Jim and, and Clay to get to that level. So I hear you on that point alone. I hear you. All right. Can I make a statement here that that might be. Might be uh, rude, might not be the I mean, and Rashad, you're a Hall of Famer. You went in the hall, the class this year. Yeah, you could say you headlined that class there along with Bisping and Rich Franklin, but UFC inducts fights into the Hall of Fame. So this year, of course, yeah, it was great. We got Clay Guida in there. We got uh, uh, what fight? Him and Diego Sanchez. They put it in there. I heard mention on this broadcast may have been from Jim Miller's mouth in the post-fight interview. He was like, you know, it's it's great to be in there with a Hall of Famer like Clay Guida. Um. From my point of view, guys, and maybe this doesn't matter, and maybe I should shut the hell up, but he's not a Hall of Famer. He had a really fun fight one time, and they put it in the Hall of Fame, and that's cool. But guess what? The Dream Team is in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, so that means Christian Leitner's in there. Guy's not a Hall of Famer to me. What you want me to say, man? <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, listen. Let's listen, not listen. get Rashad in trouble. Brandon, can you get my back as a fellow fan and journalist here? I mean, I is is Diego Sanchez a Hall of Famer to you, Brandon? Are you kidding me? Really? We're going to do this again? Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. And so is Clay Guida. By the way, Clay Guida, who owns a victory over Nate Diaz. Did you know that? I did know that. Yes, yes. But it's it's been a decade since the carpenter was putting anything together with woods and nails, wood and nails. All right, I mean, come on. And and I just in any Hall of Fame, I could give you this debate in baseball, basketball, across the board. I like a hard line, guys. I like a if you're on this side of the line, you were great. If you were on this side of the line, you're pretty damn good, and we enjoyed you. But you can't cross over. I mean, does the backup basis of the Rolling Stone call himself a uh, Rolling Stones call himself a Hall of Famer? I mean, it depends, right? Are the aren't the Chili Peppers in the Hall of Fame? They've had like seven different guitarists. I'm just asking you personally. In your heart of hearts. Don't, don't, no, don't. seriously, right now, no. on t- today, August sixth, uh, two thousand nineteen, is Clay Guida a UFC Hall of Famer, or was he involved in a UFC Hall of Fame recognized fight? I mean, it doesn't matter what I say, BC. 
because wow. we've had too many of these debates on this show anyway. Wow. Wow. I'm not going to answer your question. All right. Until, hey, until I'm going to take these hot coals and put them back in my pocket. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for playing here. Um, <laughs> when, you asked, when you asked the first question, by the way, before you started this with Jim Miller and Clay Guida, you said something about kicks, whatever kicked you and got you excited for this card. Um, how about Darko Stocic kicking Kennedy and Chukwu in the uh, man region? Three, oh, times. Yeah, three times. Three times. Three times. And was still every time like I didn't do that on purpose. Come on, you can't take a point. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was crazy. I love the stick kick. Just, just open. Who opened that fight last year with that? Just came running across. Was that Masvidal, right? Just came running across with that. Yeah, Masvidal with a stick kick. Yeah, didn't he come running across and get the guy right in the old? Uh... I thought you were talking about the Mitrione fight. Oh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. What did Masvidal do? Did he jump across the cage and kick? Uh, was it Till right? Yeah, he got him in the thigh, though, right? Right next to the crotch? Yeah. Right. yeah and then Phil almost put him out. Great, great stuff. Uh, Mickey Gall bounces back with a win. That's certainly big. Um, I was I popped for Antonina Shevchenko-wise. I know that's because I'm all over her Instagram account, but that's a big win there to come back. You know what? That was a big win because, you know, she fought Roxanne Monteferi last time, and that's a jiu-jitsu girl. So you, you, you didn't see her look as good, but it looked as if, like, she went back after that fight. And was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to figure this jiu-jitsu stuff out. And then she came back. And did you see the transition from the yarn bar, you know, to to then, you know, securing the back. And it was it, it was just smooth jiu-jitsu, technical jiu-jitsu from a striker. <laughs> you know, it's just wow. It, it was impressive. Good to see her get that win to show that she does have some ground game there. A uh, final thought on this card in Colby. Does it make sense at all in any situation? And I know we default like a lot of shows do to end up just playing UFC matchmaker for most podcasts here. I mean, that's the fight game. A lot of water cooler talk in between. Is there any scenario in which Conor McGregor and Colby Covington putting their stars together is a good move for the UFC? No. Listen, they need to protect Conor. And, and if they, and here's the thing about it, man, like, Connor, um, they don't need to put him in, in in fights like like with Kobe and stuff like that. Listen, Co- Connor's got a shtick. He's got his fan base. You know what I'm saying? Like, get him back. Get him back winning again. Get him back winning. Get him a fight that he can win, like a good fight that he can win. You know, one that's going to be exciting. One that's going to get people to watch. Where, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, he's better than the guy on paper, but the guy is a scrappy guy. Something, you know, get him a fun fight, and then get him a fight, you know, where where he's he's challenging, you know, like a, like another Habib or something like that. But if you can't you can't keep putting Connor against all these monsters like that, you know, I don't I don't think it. I think he needs to get a w- win. B, come on, hit me up with this. Bw, hit me up with this. Inside baseball here. We talked about it before the show started. It seems like this is the way everything's set up now. Colby Kamaru, Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal. Hopefully they make that fight. And then you have Conor McGregor waiting for the results of Khabib and Dustin. So if that's really how they're going to play this out, then a few people are left out of the picture right now, right? Tyron Woodley still needs a fight. He's coming off of an injury another injury that set him back again and tony ferguson so what do you do with guys like that when they don't they don't really do the trash talking they're just kind of 
waiting for their next shot. Like what? I don't know what you would do if you're UFC at this point. If, for those well, guys. here's what you would do. Uh, if you're UFC and you have plans to put Connor right back into a title fight, maybe against the winner of Habib and Dustin, if because that's sort of how he's wired and that's what he wants, then you got that wild card of Nate Diaz being back in the cage against Pettis in a fight that he can win. So if Tony Ferguson somehow going to get passed over one more time, you can give him main event money, even throw a crappy interim title back on there against Nate Diaz. Am I wrong? You want to throw another interim title in the right. I don't want to. I'm trying to get inside the head of Dana White and company and figure this out because Dana's saying Connor's waiting to see what happens in the Habib Dustin fight before deciding when he's going to come back does sort of tell you he's not looking for a comeback fight because if he was, he would have fought Donald Cerrone uh, two months ago. Yeah. You know, th- that makes me think, though, if he's not looking for a comeback fight, then it makes you think, like, okay, how many fights does he actually want to do? How many fights does he have left in him? You know what I'm saying? Because if he is saying, listen, I, I just want to have only title shots and fight the best of the best, and he's probably like, look, I'm going to give it a couple more tries and, you know, have a couple big fights and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Because here's the reality. I don't care how much you love fighting. When money starts rolling in like that and life starts to come at you, how life is probably coming at Conor McGregor, it, it, it's really hard to get punched in the face and do everything that it takes to become a fighter or, or be the fighter that uh, was the fighter that got you all those things. You know, that's, that's the truth of the matter. You know, once, once you don't have that hunger in your belly, then things start to change. It, it takes a bit of that. It takes a bit of that, that fighter away from you. It takes a bit of that, that guy who would take a fight on short, you know, on, on, on a day's notice away from you. You know, that's, that's the fighter right there. There's a time where, you know, I would have fought three times in one night. And it was just because that was, that was the fighter in me. But then towards the end of my career, I'm just like, damn, I got to fight <laughs> in three months. You know what I'm saying? One fight in three months. It, it just changes your perspective after a while. Interesting stuff here. All right, we got a lot of big news to get into. Brandon Wise, set us up here, man. There's a lot going on in this sport outside of fantasy matchmaking. And is Colby Covington going too far to get inside your crow there? (laughs) I mean, we got to start off the jump. Chris Cyborg, no longer a part of UFC after Dana White releases a weird interview with Laura Sanko on Friday afternoon. By weird, you mean angry and vindictive, filled with uh, well-thought-out full screens with pull quotes and throwing to video of comments made. Um, Rashad, I want to hear your take on this, because Mm. I think you would agree with me that up until Cyborg put out that recent video of her own team's cameras picking up a conversation between her and Dana and sort of some questionable editing and on-screen subtitling, by default, it was very easy in this weird soap opera to just take Cyborg's side, look back at the history of Dana White's tongue and treatment of Cyborg, and just be like, man, when's this promotion going to realize what they have in her? But that video kind of changed everything. It really did, you know, because... I, I felt for Cyborg, and, and I always felt as if like she just wasn't treated fairly. But um, you know that that video coming out, the doctor video saying, you know, um, you know, I guess portraying that Dana White was 
coming from a position that he truly wasn't. Uh, that that was that was upsetting to me just because of the fact that, you know, I, I, I root for Cyborg and I, and I want her to get the respect that she deserves. And I want her to be recognized as one of the greatest women fighters of all time, you know, a true legend in the sport. But um, that video, it just it just kind of it kind of hurt that because it, it seemed to me like, you know, in this society that we live in, we, we, we've we've gotten to the point where, you know. And, and not to take it away from anybody who's been victimized in any kind of uh, bad circumstance, because all victims do have rights to come forward and make sure that their point is known. But I think that we, we we've teetered into a dangerous ground in society where, you know, being a victim is is um, put in a place where, you know, it's uh, you're guilty before you're innocent. You're guilty. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's and that's where we are in society. And when you, you take a position like that, like she took and trying to get that sympathy and trying to get, you know, Dana White wrongly convicted on, on, on in the court of public opinion. You know, I thought I thought that was very distasteful, you know, and I thought that was very unfortunate for her because it it now just kind of, in a sense, kind of validates, you know, you know, what people say about her and think, you know, what people said about, you know, the, you know, people say she's a cheater and stuff like that. And it kind of like it's kind of like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, even even though, like, I, I, I love no, I, hear you. I I have so much love for her, but it makes it easier for people to say those disparaging comments about her when something like this comes out of, you know, it makes it easier to believe Dana White saying she wants softer matchups. It's been impossible to to negotiate with her team. She doesn't actually want this because I don't think we ever believe that she doesn't want the Nunez rematch, but could there be something to the idea that she doesn't want it like right now, right away? Does she want some setup? She may may not have wanted it for the, the purse. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to fight for that money. And then if you don't want to fight for that money, you don't want to fight. But the you biggest know, tragedy I, we, seems that, no. that this makes – this questions her stance. And now the biggest tragedy is she's gone. There is no Amanda Nunez rematch, which to me is the only fight that really matters in Cyborg's MMA career outside of Kayla Harrison, which is more of a passing of the torch fight, which could still very well happen. Harrison's been all over social media calling for it. And yes, Cyborg's got plenty of options and great for her on the free agent market. But as a fan, as a fan of Cyborg's legacy, as a fan of wanting to see the people that are supposed to face each other for historical purposes, I kind of feel like with the way she lost that first fight, that we all deserved just as much as her legacy did a chance to see this fight a second time. And now what we have here is just a another soap opera. But what you said was interesting, Rashad, about how quickly we jump to judgment on things. I mean, Brandon, like when John Jones, that strip club thing happened, we're all sort of like, yeah, we got to wait to see what happens with the law. But of course there's a part of us that's like John Jones's recent history makes you believe. Of course, this is probably what happened. And then now we have Dana saying, well, I saw the video, man, and you're going to see, and he's going to be just fine. You know, I guess everybody's innocent. Yeah. That's, that's the thing about it. Like we have to almost, we, in society, we, we almost need to do this. We almost need to just kind of take a step back and, and just not be so quick to judge someone when they get accused. Because what we're doing is we're, we're taking our own rights away from, you know, we're taking our own rights away, you know, by 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 
jumping to conclusions about, you know, rather somebody did this or did this before all the facts are even gathered and even seen, you know, because at the end of the day, who knows if either each one of us going to be in that position, you know, and when you're in that position where everyone has you convicted before they even know the truth, that has to be difficult. You know, that has to be so, so difficult. And then when you finally get vindicated and, and, and then you, I mean, vindicated, uh, you know, it has to be such a, um, an emotional, a, a great feeling, but going through that has to be just so hard. Brando, I'll put you on the hot seat. What cyborg's future here? It's gotta be Bellator, man. There, to me, there's no other way for this to happen because I don't think she wants to go through a season with PFL just for the hopes of trying to get Kayla Harrison next year. Maybe I, because, unless PFL changes their format completely and they just kind of allow that fight to happen in the next, in the next few months, which we agree they should. But I just I don't see her going anywhere but back to Scott Coker, making that Julia Bud rematch and just kind of going along their way. Uh, we you know we had talked in the past that there are options for her. She's had a lot of interest in both uh, pro boxing and pro wrestling. Um, I hope she finds something. I hope she can use her name. I hope she can get paydays. I hope she can extend her combat sports legacy. But uh, this was a turn I didn't see coming. And now I'm sort of torn on what really happened. And now in some ways I, I don't care what really happened. <laughs> Business is going to move forward. So that's yep. it. That's all I got for you on that, Brandon. Yep. How about some uh, UFC 244 news for the MSG pay-per-view? You ready? that because how how great – were the first two MSG cards. The third one was okay, but the first two, man, inject it right in my veins. Was the third one the one last year? Yeah, that was the DC uh, uh, Derek, Lewis. Derek Lewis, yes. Which, by the way, he's coming back in this in uh, November for that card to face Blagoy Ivanov mm-hmm. in a heavyweight feature bout. But the bigger news, for me anyway, not for BC, Johnny Walker Red <laughs> is back against Corey Anderson in a huge light heavyweight fight. That is pretty damn big right there. That's I mean, really- uh, Corey Anderson trying like hell to get that John Jones fight showing up at the at the card signing there in New Jersey and, and sort of going viral. But this is a find out what this circus clown Johnny Walker really is. And I say that now almost lovingly because obviously I've come around and realized the potential here on Johnny Walker. I mean, physically, athletically. The guy has no fear. The guy's just, he's just balling. He's just jamming out there. I mean, he's just have he should just basically fight with headphones on. I mean, the guy's just rocking out while he's in there. Uh, Rashad, how stiff of a test is Corey Anderson at this point in the Walker rise? He's a very stiff test because, you know, with Corey Anderson, you have to understand he has great wrestling in, in a division where wrestling is not uh, used as a weapon. Corey uses it really well. And then he does such a great mix between his, sponge, his punching and striking and the striking. You know, he has such great timing on the striking. Even the striking is not, uh, he still has levels in the striking that he's yet to show in the octagon. I was training with alongside Corey uh, Anderson a few times out of New Jersey with Mark Henry. And in training, you know, he has another level to hit. And you, I would see him after some of his fights, and he's like, oh, man, you know, he'll come back and he'll be a little bit frustrated because he knows that there's another level, and we've all seen it. So maybe this is a fight that Kobe lets – I mean, uh, Corey lets the other level out. You know, he's he's starting to feel more confident, and that's why you see him talking a little bit more and things like that because now he's starting to believe. You know, Corey for the longest time was a guy from the Ultimate Fighter who always tried to prove that he belonged with – you know, having his name with the big names 
in the UFC. And now he's beaten some of these big names. Now he's trying to prove that, you know, he deserves to have that title shot. You know, he's worthy to have a title shot and he's worthy to, you know, have his name be mentioned amongst the greats. So this is a different mentality. Uh, and this is a different Corey Anderson than, you know, we've previously seen before. So it's going to be interesting to see him going against a guy that's a prototype like John Jones, because for him, this will be like his fight with John Jones, yeah, you know, in his right. mind, going against a creative striker. So for him being able to dominate and beat uh, young Johnny Walker, to him may give him a lot of confidence to step in there against a guy like John Jones. I mean, we've talked about the idea of John Jones and Johnny Walker in the past. This could really end up building toward a really hell of a fun and interesting fight if John, if while John Jones goes probably in the direction of a of a Cormier trilogy to close out the year or, or or something else and if in the meantime Walker can get these type of wins that's sort of a a, a type of big big matchup that fell in our hands like that wasn't here 6 9 12 months ago it, it really wasn't and here's the thing about it you know with with uh you know uh Weidman fighting Reyes and all these guys starting to compete this this light heavyweight division is starting to shape up again you talked about John going up to potentially fight in D.C. for a three, a trilogy. I think if John Jones comes back up, he comes back down to 205, his weight class would be totally different. It's going to be totally different, and then he's going to have to reestablish himself to be like, okay, I'm the top dog again, because when you go away, you know, the, the, the kid's going to be like, okay, it's time to play, and, and they're going to start to grow more confident in that weight class. You know, and without John Jones being there, if he goes up, if that's if that was a story that would be the case, um, it would be different when he got back because that's how fast this weight class is developing. You know, something right. to note. Sorry, BC. Something else to note from that Dana White interview in uh, on Friday with Laura Sanko was that he said both DC and John have come to him and said that they want that trilogy fight at 205. They don't want it to be at heavyweight, even if DC wins next week against Stipe. I think that's a that's a mistake for DC to do that because I think what's giving DC a little bit of a second win, and you hear him now starting to talk less and less about retirement talk. Well, that was because he was cutting so much weight, and when you're cutting so much weight, it ages your body. You know what I'm saying? It just it it has your body breaking down in different areas, your joints and ligaments, because every single time you have to cut weight. You're dehydrating your joints. You're dehydrating your ligaments. And then those are the things, you know, you, you start to feel. That's how you start feeling old when you get in, you know, you're, you're working with some old dehydrated joints. But now that DC's been back at heavyweight for a little bit, dropping back down could be catastrophic yeah. for him. Thick DC is good, man. And you like, I love this debate, the idea of, like, saying if DC wasn't such a great friend, would he be the greatest heavyweight in history? Would he have rolled through that division instead of cutting down to 205 originally? He's so damn quick, even with the thickness on him. He's such a great game planner. The wrestling's there. Him at heavyweight, I mean, everything works. I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack. But my dick works. My dick works. That works, too. Everything there works. Uh, Brando, I want to spin it back on you. This 244 card in New York. Give me a main and co-main event. Give me something to get excited about. What direction are they going? They always splash the pot with the exception of last year when things fell apart. What are we going to see at MSG? Oh, man. Well, it sounds like they're, based on what Kamaru and Colby said on Saturday, that that's what they're hoping for is to make that fight either the co-main or main event. 
for a main event, though, for that card, since it's going to be the 500th event in UFC history, I feel like they're going to try to blow it out. The only problem is, depending on what happens with that Dustin and Khabib fight, is that enough time to turn around for a main event at MSG against Connor? Or do they just go with a super fight for Connor? Maybe a trilogy with Nate Diaz? Maybe I don't Max know. and Volkanovsky? Nah, I don't feel like that's the mat. That's the good spot for that fight. That's like, I mean, the way that they use Max is like those after afterthought pay-per-views, you know, like in between shows that they need somebody to headline. So maybe they do the, maybe they actually like decide, hey, we're going to do that Jose Connor rematch at oh, MSG. Give me, that, <laughs> give me that right now. Hey, Rashad, as I've talked about in the past that, uh, you know, Michael Bisping, the Hall of Famer, probably should send a Christmas card every year to Luke Rockhold for helping him get there. Do you ever wonder if Daniel Kelly sits around the uh, table in Australia and prays to the good Lord that the judges gave him a career big win against you that he didn't deserve? <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Good on him if, they, if, he, if he does. Man. Good on him if he does. He got me that day. Yes, he did. That, All that, right. that's, that's, one, that's one that I always feel like, gosh, man, what was I? What was, what was going on? <laughs> Brando, what else we got in this news cycle here? Fire me up with something. Uh, I mean, GSP continues to say that he's not going to fight Khabib. He is officially in retirement. I don't think that's very big. We but need one more from GSP. We need it. We need one more. I, I yeah. don't see it, man. Who is he going to fight? In what weight class? Because he's not fighting 155. See, my problem with GSP is that he only wants fights that move his legacy forward. And I get that. But, you know, Dana doesn't love GSP. So Dana's not going to give him that opportunity again. So I'd rather him sort of take a Connor super fight, take a Nate super fight, take a anyone, take a Habib. Well, I mean, I mean, they're not going to give him Habib, but I mean, I just want to like cash in one more time and show us that you can still do it. But at the same time, I mean, do I respect that he won't because he values his return? He values when he puts his name out there. His story. I mean, he's the one who cares about history more than any other fighter. So I guess I can respect that. Selfishly, I want to see it again. Okay. I would love to see him against Connor at MSG. That would be wild. That'd be badass. That would be, that would be badass. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are three things you can guarantee, right? Water is wet, fire burn, and I'm going to beat Michael Bisping. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Back to the scene of the crime. Uh, did Should we care about one championship? Let's be really honest. We had Eddie Alvarez. We had Demetrius Johnson back. I feel like until that branch, that brand does their long-awaited U.S. debut that they're talking about now for late next year, until they come to New York or come to L.A. or do something big and make that splash – it's hard to even know that they're going to be on. I mean, it's hard to care. They're not live on TNT, so it's hard. It, it really is, and they don't really do a good job of, of even, you know, um, trying to even even appeal to this side of the world. You know what I'm saying? It, it appears that way because, I mean, there, there's there's not a lot of a big push uh, to even get anybody even interested over here. I know that, um, you know, Rich Franklin and a few of those guys have come out have come out. Uh, to this side to kind of work some deals and try to see if they can kind of bring uh, more one fights and more popularity here. But I just don't see those works in effect. Maybe it's something that's going to happen in the future, like you said, next year. But uh, as of right now, I think that, you know, they can definitely do a better job of getting people to know what's going on. Brando, it's not moving your needle. <laughs> nope. Hey, Eddie did battle back. 
for a big win. You got to give him that. He needed that. Yeah, that was a big win for Eddie. Now that was a great win. You know, Eddie. Eddie told me for this camp. You know, for this camp, it was about going back to Manila and just getting back to just the grittiness of fighting. And it's glad. I'm glad to see him get back to the grittiness of fighting. All right, Cain Velasquez made a big splash this year, this week, finally having his pro wrestling debut. It was in Mexico for the promotion Triple A, their version of WrestleMania. And I know that you don't care, Brandon Wise, at all about what goes on in the world of professional wrestling. Like, not even a little bit. You know what's funny, though? I feel like I'm the only one of the group here who watched this live when it was happening. Wow, shout out to you right there. Um, Guess <laughs> I... what, guys? Kane's really good at this ish. Like, yes. he's not coming in there doing kick, punch, kick, punch, body slam. He's going in there with the dad bod, putting on the lucha mask and doing, like, flying moves, doing, like, hurricane ranas. Uh, hey, Rashad, this guy's a friggin' athlete and a half. He may have missed his calling. He may have screwed up the last six years fighting twice and always being in and out of the lineup. When he could have been doing this as a profession, he could be in a WrestleMania Brock Lesnar feud for all we know in two years if he keeps this up. Well, listen, there's a few things, there's a few legends that are known, and one of those legends that are known is a legend of Kane at AKA. The legend of Kane at AKA, it says that Kane was the baddest man in the room. He can beat any man in the room with just one hand. That's how bad this man Kane was. Now, judging from this pro, uh, pro debut in wrestling, look, he, 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 he showed it. He showed he has an athletic ability. He shows that he has great movement. This is this is great for Kane. My thing is this right here. Anybody who I've known that went from MMA or any other professional sport to wrestling, they said that wrestling was more uh, damaging to their body than the professional they just left. So if Kane was having a hard time staying healthy in MMA, then wrestling might might be hard as well too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I mean. I don't know, may, maybe because... It's different, it, though. It, you can fight hurt to a certain degree in professional wrestling than you would sure. want to do in... There can right. be moves to protect you than, than hurt you. Um, I hope this gives him longevity and happiness because, like, I haven't seen a happy... I don't know if there is a version of a happy Cain Velasquez. I haven't seen it in a while. And, I mean, obviously that loss against Nagano was just crushing when he, when he, after, after the time he took on that comeback. Uh, he can't talk. We all know that. But he was that good. In real time, Brandon, that like, I wouldn't tell him to stop if this is what he wants. No, I mean, he, like you said, I was like just kind of half asleep getting ready to go to bed. And I was like, all I'm seeing is the Mark Ramundi tweeting that, oh, it's about to happen. You might want to tune in. And I tuned in at the perfect time because, like you said, he legitimately was like jumping off of ropes, like, doing what he calls a hurricane rana it's like you grab the dude by the neck with your legs and twist him and throw him down like oh wow he legitimately was flying around the ring at 260 pounds or however heavy he is now like it was crazy to watch how how and he seemed happy like you said dc he just seemed happy to be out there and doing something that he has a true passion for yeah definitely and he had he had a little bit of a a tryout with WWE, but he went to the performance center. They let him f around, and he really liked it. It didn't seem like they had a ton of interest in him, but you wonder now. I mean, it just makes so much sense with a bunch of ex MMA guys in WWE these days. I mean, especially Brock Lesnar, which just makes sense if Kane is this good to bring him in and try something. But I wanted to ask you one more question, Rashad, on the legend of Kane Velasquez at AKA. Um, in your heart of hearts, no one's listening but me and Brandon. Is Daniel Cormier really that great of a friend? 
Or does he just know better what would have happened if he fought Kane at heavyweight? <laughs> well, that's that's what they say. They say that uh, they say that Kane used to beat DC pretty good. Wow. So they, they say they say wow. he, he can beat he can beat DC. Wow. Yeah, that's what they say. All right, you believe that, Brandon? Yeah, hundred percent I believe that. Okay. Kane, I mean Kane back in the day, back in the day they when say, they when they were first like yeah. coming on the scene. Yeah, yeah I believe bad, that. Man. I mean nobody had heavyweight cardio like that. Nobody. I didn't, know? Nobody. Brown pride for days. All right, let's get into this weekend. Uh, before I set up UFC Fight Night in Montevideo, Uruguay, which is what John Annex says we should call it. Um, I'm not missing any Bellator or anything else this weekend, right? I feel like I only know what's going on in UFC these days. PFL, you got anything for me? No, nothing, right? I think there is PFL this week. I think Kayla Harrison fights, but I'm not 100% I mean, on if that. I mean, if a PFL card happens and Kayla Harrison's not on it, did it actually happen? Mm, yes. All right. But there is a contender series tomorrow. I believe PFL on Friday or Thursday. And then Bellator comes back on August 23rd. Fourth, I believe, or twenty third for that the fight we actually were talking about before, Matt Mitrione and Sergey Karatanov. Yes, rematch. in my sure. Connecticut backyard. Hopefully, somebody gets kicked in the stick. This weekend, UFC Fight Night <laughs> gives us a rematch and a title fight on regular TV. I'm sorry, on the Plus, on ESPN Plus. It's Saturday night from Uruguay when Valentina Shevchenko defends her flyweight strap against uh, former bantamweight title contender, former women's pioneer. The gorilla Liz Carmouche. Uh, guys, interesting story here. When you can, when you go back, and ESPN.com did a really cool sort of oral history with Brett Okamoto on this. They did fight once before. It was in 2010. It was in the uh, prehistoric days of women's MMA. It took place in Oklahoma inside like a tent in a parking lot, and Carmouche got a TKO win only because there was a cut on Shevchenko, and the doctor panicked, and basically the fight had just started. They didn't know they were going to be fighting each other until like a day before. I mean, it was like old school, old school here. So not much you can pull from that, of course. But with this division being so thin, at this point in her career, is Liz Carmouche a legitimate title contender at 125 pounds? I would say, yeah, just because Liz brings something that a lot of the other girls don't bring. You know, she has that that scrambling ability that you see from a uh a mighty mouse you know what i'm saying like she has that 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 compact scrambling ability in those in that in that heavy uh dominant grappling game you know what i'm saying that that's one thing that i like about liz carmouche you know she she has that so i i definitely believe that you know she's a contender plus that she has that um that that veteran experience you know she's she's been in there with the ronda rousey's first mma fight in the ufc you know those those are the experience that that make Liz, you know, somebody that can definitely rise to the occasion and can pull an upset against somebody like Shevchenko. And she's tough as nails, ex-Marine. She uh, won four of five coming into this bout. You know, 125 is certainly her natural weight class. She had been fighting over her head originally at Bantamweight. Um, this is interesting, Brandon. When you consider Carmouche also has a victory over Jessica Andrade. So she's got wins over two of the current champions at the moment. I just struggle with the fact that there's nobody in this division. You know, Jessica, I was certainly worthy of a chance last time, but would she have been if the division was deeper? In your eyes, can this be a fight? Or is this just a nice South American showcase for Shevchenko, who spends a lot of time in Peru, is a, has, has a nice sponsorship deal with Inca-Cola. You ever drink that stuff? That that sort of yellowish, uh, fruity not, stuff? 
weird person like you. They with got food. it in my local uh, local uh, grocery store for some, in Shoprite for some reason. I drink the crap out of that. Is this going to be a fight, Brandon? Or is this going to be another showcase? I think this is just a showcase. I I'm less excited about this fight than I was about the Jessica I fight. I I'm probably just a weirdo like that anyway. But even with I, Jessica I being a little sneaky, crazy hot, sure that Carmouche is at this level right now. Like. What is telling you or anybody that she is a title contender? I think like what you said before, this is just more of a – there's not a very – lot of – this is not a deep division to say the least. There's not a ton of people that they can throw in there with her. So let's give her a chance to showcase her skills against somebody who is going to move some product down in South America. That's not wrong. Um, Rashad, put on your history glasses and and uh, look into the uh, an alternate universe, if you will. Do you remember when Gorilla had Ronda Rousey's back? Oh and, yeah, and, I remember that. And kind of yeah. like was squeezing her face really tight, the same way Damian Maya did when he made blood come out of Rick Story's like nose and eyeballs. Um, what would have happened if Ronda tapped? That was the first fight in right. oh, UFC that, women's that was, history. It uh, uh, You know what? I don't know if we'll be here right now talking about women fighting. We'll be talking that, about women, but not women fighting is what you're saying. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, that that right there was pretty much um, the the flags. You know, that was that was the initiator. OK, we need to have, you know, more women fights. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that we will be here right now if that fight was not didn't go the way it went. Just because Ronda was that Ronda did such a good job of just capturing, you know, the hearts of, of so many people with her run when she went on it. You know, she she uh, really brought a different demographic to MMA. And I think that we wouldn't have been able to, we wouldn't have had that if if, uh, if Liz would have won. No it's offense. an interesting debate because if she would have won in that situation, you could always run back a rematch and Ronda could have beat her. But would it have... Would we have had the same Ronda who was beating people in 14 seconds and who had that crossover? I mean, you got to give Ronda credit in this regard. She became a crossover superstar from this. I mean, I mean, she was a legitimate pay-per-view star, even though Chell yeah. Sonnen still says those uh, numbers were doctored. I don't know where he's getting that from. But uh, she was a legitimate million-seller pay-per-view star. I don't know if we get there had she lost that first time. She almost lost the battle with her that weird bra thing she was winning. She spent half the fight <laughs> pulling that thing up, but still. Yeah. But look, that was an exciting fight, and it set the tone. We'll see what she can do against Shevchenko on Saturday. Um, you know what? This card sucks. Yet at the same time, kind of, kind of want to see about three or four of these pretty badly. Your thoughts? Yeah, I do too. Uh, you know, Luke and, and Mike Perry is going to be a dog fight right there. And um, Vulcan versus Alir Latifi is going to be another one because both of these guys are, you know, uh, both waiting to get back to action. And I think Vulcan had a couple fights that didn't, that fell through. And then Alir was just hurt his last fight. So, and they're, and they're fighting over in Europe. And, you know, there's, they have a chance to have a lot of their hometown people come and check them out. So, I think it's going to be a pretty big fight, and I think it's going to have some pretty big impacts for the weight class because, as we said, that 205 weight class is still sorting itself out and trying to see uh, who's what in that weight class. And Vulcan had that good year and uh, has stumbled since, but he's looking to get back on track. Yeah, three straight defeats, but to be honest, I thought he beat Dominic Reyes in that split decision loss in March. He looked good in that. But, Brandon, he hasn't had a knockout since that time in that Fort Lauderdale bar in your backyard there. So um, who, who you got here? You got the beefy one or you, or, or you got no time? Or, uh, what, or what does he call himself? No time? 
It's no time. That's the lamest nickname ever. Uh, I probably ride with Beefy just because of a weird like man crush on him. But hey, be honest, you know. Uh, I don't have a, like a a lot of sway either way on this one. I think it's just gonna be a fun brawl for as long as it lasts. I used to train with both of these guys. I used to train with Alir when when uh, Black Zines first started way way back in the day. He was like my main trainer partner, and I trained with Vulcan as well too. Um, I like Alir in this fight. I think that Alir is a stronger, uh, heavier striker, and I think he has more tools in the respect that his ground game, his wrestling, is something that Vulcan has uh, been working on. And I think if Alir um, utilizes wrestling like he can, then I think that he's going to be able to bring Vulcan in some spaces that he doesn't like. Definitely. And as you mentioned, the Vicente Luque, Mike Perry fight, it's straight violence. Can't wait to see that thing. Uh, Tisha Torres buried on this preliminary card. She's going to try to bounce back from a three fight losing skid against Marina Rodriguez. Try to get back up into that elite. And Brandon, I don't want to play MMA matchmaker here from the standpoint, not of matches, but of love. Um, we thought Tisha and, and Raquel were no more, but in, uh, Tisha's Instagram account says uh, things looks like things are heating up. Your thoughts? You did some investigation. Yeah, is that, is that, you know what? I was just, I was just looking the other day. So you said that you're such a girl. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to look at that the other day. I looked on her profile. And I was like, ah, oh, Tisha Torres. I know she's with Raquel. And I didn't see any posts because you know how everybody deletes pictures after they break up with the person, yes. right? <laughs> so uh, I didn't see any pictures. So I was like, ah, oh, I think they broke up. But now you're confirming that they're back together. Well, you know, it's, it's a game what? we play here. You know, you never know what's going to happen on Instagram. Sometimes uh, Holly Holm and uh, Michelle Waterson will drop a level up video into your lap. You know what I mean? Well, maybe that has to do with the three fight losing streak. You know what I'm saying? Heartbreak, the loss, moving to Denver, getting away from your ATT family. Now she's back here. Now she's back in the American top team. So I don't know. Maybe she can swing things around. Maybe so. Fired up for uh, fired up for the Shevchenko. Look, Shevchenko, we got to give her a credit. I mean, she had that viral moment there with the eye knockout. She nasty. She's she's everything we need in a women's you know rising star to be, and her end game has to be Amanda Nunez. And if your UFC cyborgs out of the picture, there's nobody else for Amanda Nunez. Nobody. Rashad, tell me somebody Amanda Nunez is going to fight in the near future. Nobody. 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 Jermaine Durand to me. Yes. 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 <laughs> if Ka- look, if Kazagano can ever win another fight, they could always do that rematch because Kat's the last one to beat Amanda. But Shevchenko's the fight. I think she could win yeah, it. So, and she- and listen, Shevchenko is man, she has gotten so much better. Like her her recognizing position is phenomenal. Her position of her hands when she chooses to strike is phenomenal because there's no recoil. It's just straight out. It's perfect technical punching. Honestly, it's one of the most per- perfect technical punching in the UFC just because it goes from one point to the other person point, and then it comes right back, and it's always in prime position. You know, she never has to cock her hands. It's bop, 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 and then every strike is – she's phenomenal. Uh, and then here's, here's what impressed me the most about her. I can get it with the striking because she's a striker, right? You, you figure out striking, and all your striking starts to come together. But what impresses me is the little nuances that she has for wrestling. Like she recognizes position right away when the girl is in – position to get headlock and thrown that takes time that takes a lot of uh, mat time to get that timing down and she has that 
no doubt about it. It also has uh, tattoos of firearms on her midriff. You know, it's a little, a little spicy there. A little spicy there if you get down with that flavor indeed. Hey, great show this week, guys. Please check out what we're doing on the State of Combat and other sports. No boxing show this week, but it is a pro wrestling bonanza with SummerSlam this weekend from Toronto. NXT TakeOver as well. We got you covered with previews video previews, and interviews with the top names in WWE today. Check out those. Make that crossover. Make that happen. Uh, Rashad, anywhere else we can we can find your work, your personality these days? You got any shows coming up? You got any, uh, should we, what should we be looking at here? Nah, just just follow me on uh, Instagram. You know, I'm going to start posting more. I promise I'm going to start posting more. <laughs> I just needed to, uh, you know, clear my mind out a little bit. Right, but I'm going to. I, I still care about a Leota Machida rematch under the Bellator banner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just me talking, hey, not hey, Rashad. Well, maybe, maybe I'll get in shape and go back to Bellator to give the people what they want. I don't know. Welcome to the Machida era. That era lasted one night. It was, it was a tough night, though. But he did hit like a bitch up until that finish. I will give you that credit. All right? Indeed. <laughs> uh, Brando Wise, uh, keep grinding in that gym, okay? Keep doing it, brother. Okay. Thanks, BC. You're a great motivator. Yes, thank you. For the uh, Hall of Famer Rashad Evans and Brando Wise, your boy BC, signing out. I hope you were impressed by our performance. Follow us at State of Combat on Twitter. We back next week, but for now, we out.